0: yo, and welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today we're rolling single player. Everybody's out there enjoying the Memorial Weekend. I myself went fishing, caught no fish, but still a great trip. Uh, I grew up on the motto, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day of work. And I had myself a bad day of fishing, but plenty of beer and <laughs> a lot of fun. So I was good. I'm hoping you guys are enjoying your Memorial Weekend. Stay cool. Us in California are looking at 100 degrees again. So it's it's going to be a warm one, guys. Stay cool out there. Um, But at least you're at home. That's the best part. Okay, Uh, we're going to start off with our question of the week, but we have a lot of news for you guys. We have a new Death Stranding 2 confirmed, DC fandom, what we expect. We have our watch list for September. We always do that watch list every month on our website. We have uh, some debates going on over new laws for gaming in China and this return policy for uh, Steam. We'll go over all of it, but first, let's get into that question. All right, our question of the week. Said out on the social medias in Discord. Little last minute, I will admit, uh, is what three video game characters would you want as sidekicks? So a lot of people took this different ways. We had people who were like, "Well, I want the beefiest, strongest guys to kind of carry me." That's probably what I would actually choose in a video game. I went with like most useful. We have a few other people uh, with uh, different ideas here. So mine was Clank from Ratchet and Clank. Right, he's the kind of guy that like is multi tool in your pocket. He's he's great for that kind of stuff. Arthur from Red Dead Redemption 2. The dude's so loyal to his family. As long as you treat him with, like, uh, like just minimum respect, he is by your side through thick and thin. And then Mercy from Overwatch. Fantastic Healer also can increase your damage. So she's really great at that. And then, best of all, uh, revive. So when shit gets real bad, she's got your back. And so I was basically protecting myself And all this, I realized. We go over to, uh, to uh, Scott, who's a moderator on our Discord. He says... Revan from, from uh, Knights of the Old Republic. I would not have picked Revan. I mean, he is Sith to the bone, especially when I play him, he's Sith to the bone, but that's a great choice. Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, and then we have Alex uh, Mercer from Prototype. So you could tell Scott went with like, I need to make sure nothing touches me, <laughs> and so he's just going to kill everything within like 30 feet of him. That's what he got. He got three guys He's just going to murder his way through town. And the last person I want to make sure we spotlight Uh, Seesaw Pod they put out the three names and the reason why which was really handy so first up was Joel from The Last of Us okay their excuse was The Muscle right so you always see that in the movies The Muscle Uh, they chose Alex from The Veil Kick-Ass Female Lead Smart and Capable okay and then lastly Sans from Undertale purely for the comedy which is great I mean you gotta have your R2-D2 that's cracking Wise in the corner really built up pretty much a great movie squad right there That that was a good move all the way around Thank you guys for those who did answer the question. I know it's really last minute. We will try to do those more often and give you guys more time to answer the questions. Want to give a quick reminder to the patrons. Uh, if you are a Cephalopod purchaser, a Patreon member, sponsor and up, or a, a Twitch stream subscriber, you guys are all entered in the contest for this month. We do the contest every two months. The reward for this one is the Star Trek the original series, season one, on Blu-ray. Because you guys are clearly fans of Trek Freaks, we're seeing those numbers. You guys are really responding to that. We want to make sure that you guys are getting some sweet loot out of that as well. So I can't wait for you guys to check that out. That'll be fun. Also, we have some server uh, changing going on behind the scenes. Um, So for the next two weeks, you guys shouldn't notice a difference, but there might be a time where an episode's not available when you try to play it. It'll be up shortly. It's just we're changing servers uh, for a few reasons and stuff like that. Basically, more features and a lot more (laughs) numbers and, and fun stuff. So. We're excited to do that, but it may interrupt a few things over the next couple weeks. Keep that in mind. Let's go ahead and get into the news. DC Comics has announced the return of DC Fandom, a two-day event revealing what is next for the company. It's returning October 16th. Last year, Fandom released trailers, comic book announcements, casting news, and much more. We could expect the same from Fandom 2021. DC has already released a few teasers to kind of let us know what to expect. First, a new trailer for The Batman. Robert Pattinson's The Batman will show off a new trailer. The production has been slow with multiple COVID delays. Principal filming is now complete, and they are wrapping up with the finishing touches. The Batman is scheduled to release for March 2022, so we should have some very good footage to show off at Fandom. I personally am a big fan of Batman, of course. Uh, everything that's got a Batman in it, I'll, I'll go ahead and watch. I have high hopes for Robert Pattinson. He's not my first pick when I first heard about it, but over time, and especially with that first trailer, I've grown to like him. I know everybody's like, but Twilight. <laughs> Don't go off on Twilight. Go watch uh, you know, Water for Elephants or... Um, God, there's this one where he's a lawyer. It's real good. I can't remember the name of it. But he is actually good at acting, and he himself is not a fan of the Twilight performance. So Give him a shot, guys. I think, I think we're going to like this, Batman. Next, we should be getting our very first trailer for The Flash. DC is making a film out of the greatest Flash story in comics, Flashpoint. Flash goes back in time in an attempt to save his mom. Unfortunately, he alters all of reality in the process. In the comics, Flash meets Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's father, uh, who dons the Batman title. In the film, he will be meeting 1989's Batman, yes, Michael freaking Keaton. Our first trailer will hopefully show what Keaton looks like as a veteran Batman. Now, at first I was like, oh, it's too bad they're making the change because Thomas Wayne is such a really great character uh, in the Flashpoint storyline. We went over that comic book about a year and a half ago. So I was ashamed. I, I, it was a shame they were going to do that, especially since they have Jeffrey D. Morgan in the DCEU as Thomas Wayne. So we, and we actually have Maggie from Walking Dead also as uh, uh, Martha Wayne. So we could have seen that storyline play out. And I won't go into the details here. We already have. It's very good. But Michael Keaton coming back. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to change it, that's the way you change it. 1989 Batman's got a new comic book coming. Or that's currently out actually right now. Uh, You guys could be reading and kind of getting back into the vibe. This is really cool news. And I mean, I'm also kind of shooting in the dark. Could we see a Joker cameo? I will lose my shit if we see a Joker cameo. My hopes are high don't mess them up. I'm not an Ezra Miller fan, but I am a big Michael Keaton fan, so fingers are crossed. We may be getting teasers for both Black Adam and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Okay, so we're not likely going to get like full footage for either of these films, but we could get stills, maybe a better look at what The Rock looks like as Black Adam. Uh, We really should be getting something at this point. Aquaman, uh, we know we have, uh, we just got his new costume. Looks pretty cool. He has like this black costume. And then his original costume looks a little bit more comic book accurate now with the boots and all. So we are starting to get stuff down the pipeline. With that much of the costume done, we might actually get some scenes from Aquaman. Black Adam, though, I mean, this is the hope, right? If you're a DCEU fan, you're looking forward to Black Adam. Not only will The Rock just put butts in seats, he will actually fill those theaters up. But we're actually talking about introducing a complicated, well-written villain into comic book movies. We saw with Shang-Chi how much people are talking about how great the villain was. Black Adam has that same similar story where you almost see their point of view. You almost kind of sympathize with them. And yet, the villain. So I'm excited to have that kind of person in the MCU. Or, I'm sorry, DCEU. When you look at like somebody like Darkseid. Darkseid's fun, but... What is he? He's a jerk who's just trying to kill everybody. It's not, you know, it's not complicated. So let's see what we could do when we actually have some solid written characters in the DCEU. I'm rooting for this. Uh, I would like to see Black Adam fight Superman and, the sh- and Shazam. That, that, that comic book is so fun when they have all three of those fighting. So let's see what happens. We can expect a whole lot more info on DC seasons that are coming up. Uh, all of the Arrowverse, the HBOverse, I'm going to be calling them that now. Uh, And of course, Harley Quinn, the animated series, uh, are all in the docket. We have the crossover event we learned about recently, we talked about last week. Uh, And of course, we have Peacemaker that that released a little teaser, uh, what is that, poster, of Peacemaker in his car. So, we should be getting more on this. So, from what I'm hearing, because James Gunn's actually involved in it, the Peacemaker series, DC's very happy with it. So, it looks like we might be getting more of those, or more characters. They also revealed this week that a character that died in the last Suicide Squad movie will be returning for Peacemaker. He actually survived, apparently, or they survived, apparently. So that might be something really worth watching. We'll have to check it out. I'm very excited to get some additional footage from the DC video games. We can expect to see new trailers for Gotham Knights and the Suicide Squad kill the Justice League. There are even rumors of a new Injustice on the horizon. So Injustice 3, if announced, that may steal the show. Uh, Injustice is such a really fun story. The comic books that they tied into it are actually really great comic books, but the game itself is a lot of fun. I, I remember playing the first one a lot. If they announce the number three, I know that's going to bring a lot of media coverage, a lot of, you know, it'll be trending all over the place. That might actually really boost the show quite a bit. So, uh, expects probably, I-, I would almost guarantee you there's going to be some Injustice there. Outside of that, the Suicide Squad, we've only gotten one trailer for, so we really could use some more details on how that's going to play out. And then the Gotham Knights is shaping up to be a big heavy hitter for them. I think it's going to be something that's huge for them. uh, And I know we've gotten some delays and pushbacks and stuff like that, but we should be at the point now where we can get full gameplay breakdowns for each of the four main characters. Lastly, some more details on future DC comic books. DC recently went through another soft reboot. It combined all the past iterations of our heroes and added some fresh ones. We may see some additional future state titles or milestone comics, getting a full series personally i want to see some more dc black label stories uh, those are kind of like the joker movie they're a more adult darker tone on our heroes and villains uh, those are never disappointing dc fandom should be fun uh, it was a virtual convention created during covid uh, in 2020 while other virtual events floundered fandom thrived dc laid the blueprint on how to uh, do a virtual convention properly Now that we have adopted fandom as a new recurring event, I'm excited to see how DC expands on the event. We will cover every major announcement right here on the podcast, also on our social media and on our website, even TikTok, guys. We're we're doing a lot of our TikTok, too. I hope you guys can join us on all those little platforms. Death Stranding fans rejoice in a new interview with IGN Brazil's Victoria Pertini. Norman Reedus seemingly confirmed Death Stranding 2. He says, I think we're doing a second Death Stranding. The game is in negotiations right now, so yay. Reedus is not only saying the game is in development, but apparently he is returning to continue the story. He has stated that he was in talks in previous interviews, but negotiations are progression in development. So, of course, 2019's Death Stranding was hugely popular. The game was designed by Hito Kojima. I know Daniel's, like, at the edge of his seat anytime anybody mentions Dead Stranding. So he's going to be in line for this. It's going to be difficult, though, because Kojima's, you know, he's going to be pulled in a lot of directions. He's just signed a deal to work with Microsoft to launch an exclusive uh, franchise with them. People are wanting him to make some, you know, new versions of old games he's worked on. Yeah, that's, that's cloudy. We won't really mess with that right now. But he's got a lot on his docket. And then, of course, we have Dead Stranding, uh, the director's cuts coming out September 24th a whole lot more content. It's going to be a lot to see what happens up, but I know Death Stranding fans are excited for this. Uh, by the way, if you haven't tried the game out, and I haven't tried the game out myself, uh, it's currently on sale on Steam right now, and I think I might pick it up and it'll be a future stream for us. Uh, as much as I hear Daniel praise this game, it's only fair I give it a chance. I-, I can't get past the fact that it looks like just a delivery sim, but he says it's great and we'll give it a shot and I'll let you guys know how it is. Sony confirmed they will no longer offer free next-gen upgrades for their games. Over the past year, both Xbox and PlayStation have offered these free upgrades from previous systems to next-gen for first-party games. This got players purchasing the games while they try to find a console amidst a shortage. PlayStation is the first to conclude this policy. It was a really good policy because people would be waiting in line or on the waitlist at GameStop these consoles were just hard to, to come by. With the broken uh, supply chain due to COVID, uh, you know, it was hard to find anything. I was very lucky to have a guy who was able to snipe a, <laughs> a PlayStation for me, so I was able to get one pretty early on. But for many, they still have not been able to find their systems. It was fine because they were able to buy, you know, some of these great games that came out over the last year. Miles, uh, Miles Morales is one of them. Um, and just play them on their old systems. That worked out well for them. But they're going to be concluding this policy The announcement comes after some confusion over the upgraded policy of Horizon Forbidden West. It was quote unquote leaked that the game would not receive the upgrade. After much debate on social media, Sony came out to clarify. Players will be able to upgrade Horizon Forbidden West, but it's the last game to use that policy. Free upgrades help players, but can slow console sales. Often a console will sell due to an exclusive title. Many expect a boom in Xbox sales once Halo Infinite releases. Forcing games to play only on new system gets players to make the move. Sony changed a few components last year to increase the PlayStation supply, making the shortage less of an issue. So now it's just about getting people off the PS4 and on to the PS5. It may be a blow to some players, but it is a needed change to progress the console generation. As for Xbox, they are using a bound to account system when you buy a game. It's available for multiple generations via Game Pass and xCloud. The console war has shifted from company versus company to business model versus business model. This is the next chapter in that saga that will decide the future of console gaming in the industry. So, while you have PlayStation that's still sticking to the tried and true exclusive titles on the new system, you have Xbox over there that's like, play it however you want, especially on PC, right? So, we'll see which one comes out the head. Uh, As video game players, we should pay attention to these uh, industry changes, one of them will eventually become the standard. Streamers boycott Twitch for a day to demand hate raids reform on September 1st. Hate raids are when a group of people raid a streamer, usually a marginalized person, and berate them with hate speech. Now, raids are meant to be a way to bring one streamer's audience to another and share in content. For the raider, it's a way to finish your stream and send your watchers to a friend or someone playing a similar game. For the raided, it's a boon of a new audience members uh, and a chance to gain potential followers. By its nature, raids are a surprise. Due to this, people can bring a large audience to a stream without permission. Big streamers trying to fight the hate raids trend uh, have a series of demands for Twitch. First. Hold roundtable discussions with the affected creators to assist with creation and implementation of more proactive and comprehensive toolset to combat abuse on their streaming platform. Next, creative proactive protection to implement immediately enabling creators to select the account age of prospective chatters and allow or deny incoming raids. Remove the ability. To attach more than three Twitch accounts to an email address. Currently, hate raiders can use one email account to register unlimited addresses. And lastly, provide transparency into the actions being taken to protect creators, the time frame for implementing those tools, and the involvement of Twitch Safety Advisor Council. The most powerful and immediate demand is the ability to deny a raid. Some small streamers are happy with entertaining friends or, or sharing their game with a select few. Putting the power to turn away a random large audience ensures their community stays tailored to them. There is a potential loophole with third-party raid programs, but this is an important first step. Now generally when I receive a raid, it's you know exciting, I'll be kind of clocked out playing some Psychonauts 2 or Hades, uh, and then all of a sudden like, oh hey, here's 20 people. They come in from, like, Larry IRL or uh, somebody like that, and it's like, oh, hey, cool, first off, I get to talk to my friend because he comes in with the raid, and then I get to meet some of his people. Generally, I'll gain a couple followers, and it's nice, you know, fun by all, and that's what it's meant to be. But being able to, if I'm having, like, an early morning stream and I see, like, I don't really recognize that person too well, I can deny the raid, that would be so great. Now, Twitch has recently released a new article on their safety page called combating targeted attacks it gives advice to those trying to prevent hate raids some of the suggestions include adding moderators turning on follower only mode and enabling email verification they also mention the ability to block all raids you can even filter this block to only friends or teammates being permitted to raid for our stream we have moderators excellent ones uh, and we also have the auto uh, moderation on that's okay but you know we, we do some of these things as well. It helps a lot, really. If targeted by an attack, they suggest clearing chat, ban accounts, and report abuse. These actions are very hard to do midstream. Typically, a streamer is focused on the game. They're streaming, obviously. A moderator can do all these actions, but if you don't have a friend who can mod for you, you could try the auto mod feature. It's not perfect, but it's a great first defense. Now on our website, we have a link to their article Please if you're a raider go check it out so you know what tools you have access to to try to prevent hate raids. It's unfortunate that these things exist that something meant to troll and to, to spread hate is trending in the streaming community, a community generally based off of shared interest and support for each other. And here you have people that are I mean like literally bad eggs, bad apples, you know, ruining the bunch. Over on the Geek Freak stream We haven't been actually attacked yet, but we have had uh, a couple bot accounts that we were told, hey, those are actually like the scouts for hate raids. So you may want to ban them. Um, So we've gone through, there's three accounts that we keep an eye on that keep trying to following us that we're banning. um, And they're going to lead to hate raids, you know, if they're successful. But luckily we have excellent modders and fellow streamers that have, you know, shown us what, hey, those are the guys. So building that community has helped us out a lot. So we want to really give a huge thanks to not only our moderators who are you know fellow podcasters and just you know fans uh, and friends, but also shout out to some of our fellow streamers, like Larry IRL, who's the one that really woke me up to that, and I really appreciate it, and so thanks so much, guys. While there are many tools out there to help prevent hate raids, the important thing is that we are open about it, discussing it, and that way, when we see somebody else being targeted by this, we could jump to their defense and help them. Hate raids won't stop overnight, but if we work together, we could limit their impact. Steam's return policy has long been a staple of the platform. Simply put, if you play under two hours, you can return the game. Rarely has this policy had any issues, until now. Developer Alexander Reshnikov of Emeka Games is calling it quits after, after their recent game, Summer of 58, became the subject of a mountain of returns. The trick is, The game was not bad, just short. Players are beating the game in under two hours and then returning it. Alexander released a statement explaining the situation. They say they're quote-unquote leaving game development for an indefinite time to collect my thoughts. That tweet received over 14,000 likes and over 700 uh, comments. The industry and gamers took notice. Many players rushed to Steam and purchased the game to show support. Alexander then expressed their gratitude with another statement on Twitter. He says, Friends, I'm really shocked by, by such support. I didn't expect that so many people would support me. And he goes on and on. Of course, the internet trolls jumped on. They began to berate Emeka Games, believing that the original statement was a scam to get sympathetic customers. Alexander even claims that some have purchased the game only to leave re- negative reviews, which is so. <laughs> Ass backwards is what we would call it around here. Like, you're still buying the game, folks. Why do you... I mean, we've seen it so many times with some of these protests where are like, well, I'll buy that shirt and burn it. Well, you still bought the shirt, so you didn't boycott much of anything. Who cares if you're burning a per- thing you purchased? And Mecca Games still came out saying they appreciate the support and said that they will continue to update the game over time. The situation has become a mess, but it has sparked a new debate in the gaming world. One side claims players should not be warranted a return if they complete the game. The other side claims that the game was too short for the $10 price tag, and they should get their money back. An argument can be made for both sides, but both agree that Steam needs to add game length in the description. Now, I truly fall on both sides of this. It's really tough. I have used Steam's return policy many times. There are times when I'm playing a game and I'm like, look, it's an hour and 50 minutes, I'm not really enjoying this. Let's get my money back. That's just how that that's what that return policy is for. It's so that when you're spending 60 bucks on a game, you're actually getting something you want. And if I spent this game's normally $10, if I spent $10 on a game and I only got two hours out of it, I would be upset. I would be furious. I would blame the developers, but I would also blame Steam for not letting me know. I see the other side though, advertisement wise, if you put a two hour game saying it's only two hours, you're likely not going to get anybody buying it. But then that's trickery. To not show it. It's complicated. If everybody was transparent, if you were able to have the return policy saying, look, it was just too short, is why you're turning it. And then the developer coming out and saying, look, it's a two hour game and Steam letting sure everybody sees everything, we would all be set. But the problem is, there's just not enough information when purchasing the game. And it's too vague when you can return the game. You can return the game for a whole bunch of reasons. So they're not really saying why they're returning it. uh, Specifically for it being too short. Let me know what you guys think. I think we could debate this for a while. Me and my friends have already been texting back and forth on this, discussing like, "Look, which one was in on the right?" We kind of all agree that, like, "Hey, I want my money back. <laughs> two hours is way too short." You're talking to a guy who still is sold on that classic two two hundred hours of gameplay, and I'm like, "Yes, take my money, please." So for me, it was definitely way too short. But there are many out there, you know, those those dads and moms that are got the kids and everything like that, and they just need something quick to play. This is right up their alley. So. Let us know what you guys think on the social medias, on the article that we wrote up about this, with all the tweets and everything like that. Um, Or, you know, DM me directly, or on Discord. We're always there to chat about this and discuss on what we think should have been done. Chinese government regulators are now forcing tech giants to limit children's online gaming time to three hours a week. Specifically, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, from 8 to 9, and on holidays. I myself would not handle this if you told this to a young me now these are online games are specific but still if you were to limit my gaming at all as a kid it was the end of the world (laughs) of course my parents will always have you know jobs for me to do or whatever like that but any moment that was my moment i was on the n64 (laughs) like a madman and then the xbox you know as time goes on um this would be hard for me to swallow uh but yeah so previously this the uh law was Citizens under 18 were only allowed to play for an hour and a half per day. So an hour and a half Fortnite, what are you talking like? Maybe four matches if you're decent? You know, that's pretty hard. Um, It's quite the limit. Regulators claim this move is to protect the youth from video game addiction. It's also part of their wider push against uh, large tech companies like Tencent and NetEase. According to Verge.com, China's state media recently released an article uh, calling gaming a spiritual opium. The latest limits appear to be a ramp-up of the article. So we've been seeing this kind of pushback on gaming from the Chinese government. Uh, that's their prerogative. You know, we're not going to comment on that side of things. Uh, we, try not, we try to stay away from politics in general. But we're going to talk about the pros and cons of limiting video game time for kids so we can kind of understand what we should be doing and, and what's going on here. First off, kids have a lot of other responsibilities we put on them homework, or whatnot. And we know that video games are addicting, so it could pull them away from that. It's best to keep a kid focused. And when I grew up, and I'm sure a lot of you guys, the idea was finish your homework first, then you can play video games. I'm sure all of us have told our parents, yeah, 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 I finished my homework, I'm good. Knowing damn well nothing had been done. But that's what, and for me also, it was also the Simpsons reruns. I had to get done before Simpsons was on. That was my goal. But yeah, so Trying to implement something like a structured schedule I think is probably better than straight up limiting, but that was, that's the idea, is you can keep them focused on their schoolwork. Another pro to limiting this is getting kids outside. We've seen this over the last 20, 30 years. Kids are becoming inside uh, creatures now. They'd much rather be on the video game than out playing, and they should be getting that exercise. Uh, Implementing exercise as just a normal way of life. is actually something we have to focus on as parents now. Um raising modern, modern kids, and video games are counter to that, so we do have to keep that in mind. It's hard to do, because kids are generally more content when they play on the video games, like, hey, here's Fortnite, leave me alone for an hour so I can have some me time, but we have to kind of find that gray area. Yeah, they could have their time on Fortnite, but they also need to go outside and play, work on their schoolwork. It's a busy life for a kid, and with the pandemic, nothing has been made easier. One of the biggest cons, is the video game industry is an industry. That means that they rely on kids to play more, adults to play more, and everything. They've designed these video games that we've talked about in the past to be much more like gambling. They want you to spend that dollar, two bucks for a loot crate, and you open it up for basically nothing, essentially. But that kind of gambling mentality is being pushed on children. They can gain gambling addiction through those practices. So it's due to the parents, the adults, and the life of these children to moderate that and make sure that they're not being subjugated to addiction problems early on. It's tough. As we open up this world, we also open up vulnerabilities for our kids. But we can do this. There are a lot of good sides to all this. Video games can push education as well. They increase the eye hand coordination. That was my mom's big thing when we were kids. Well, at least your eye-hand coordination is going to be great. Like, yeah, sure, whatever, Mom, that works for me. (laughs) As long as I'm playing Halo, I'm cool. So, you know, there is that kind of, like, give and take, right, that we have there. Um, I think in the end, I think it should be up to the parents, personally, you know. And I think the parents need to understand that video games can be a tool and a reward, but they also need to be in moderation, like everything else, right? We all know that. But putting it into practice is what we need to do. Limiting to three hours a week sounds rough to me, but I'm also a person who is clearly addicted to video games, right? That's, you guys see the streams, (laughs) right? We do more than three hours a week just on stream. So finding that balance will be tough. We'll follow up on what China's doing because there's going to be more regulations coming up. Matter of fact, there was another really crazy one that came out before, after this article was written um, on our website. But we won't go into that too much. We might save it for another later day. So anyways, uh, check out our website for more updates on this. Last bit of news is going to be our watch list. Each month, and the first week of the month, we put out our watch list, watch list for the month. It gives you our picks of things you should be watching that month on all your different streaming services. This month, Hulu is the big winner, as a lot of the uh, terrestrial TV shows are coming back, and Hulu is their outsource for that. First, and my number one pick for the month, is What We Do in the Shadows Season 3. That premiered on the 3rd. If you guys are not on the show yet, take it from me. Go watch this. We talk about how great Tycho Atides is. Guess what? Producer of the show. Uh, he actually created the show with his friend Jeremy Clement uh, as a movie back in the day in 20, I think, 15. And now there's a TV show version of it. He is on it randomly, but not regularly. The show is fantastic, and so far season three is, is just ramping everything up and it's a lot of fun. On the twenty-seventh, we have the premiere of a lot of the you know the Fox animation block. We have Bob's Burgers Season 12, Family Guy Season 20, and The Simpsons Season 33. I know, right? Crazy. Uh, I remember when Season 20 came around, we thought, like, what? That's never been done before. Uh, here we go, our three, th- 33. Another show premiering again is The Great North Season 2. If you guys are Bob's Burgers fan, then you got to check out The Great North. It's made by the same team. Over on Netflix, on the 3rd, we have Money Heist Part 5, Volume 1. The Adventure for Money Heist Continues. I still need to watch this, I know, I know, but I'll have to really sit down and focus. It is dubbed for English, and that takes just one more level of focus. I can't be on my iPhone, so I will get to it at some point, I promise. Lucifer is getting its final season on the 10th. For you guys Lucifer fans, it was saved by Netflix, it's A little tweaked a little bit too, uh, but I know you guys are looking forward to seeing what, how they end things off of Lucifer. I'm interested to see if they bring him into the DCEU, especially if they're going to start doing Sandman. You'll see more Lucifer that way. Pokemon Master Journeys, the series, joins Netflix on the 10th as well. Uh, This is a really fun way to join the Pokemon universe for a first time. Master Journeys is a reintroduction for a lot of people into a new zone related to Sword and Shield for uh, you video game players. HBO Max, their main thing. Doom Patrol, Season 3. It's coming out on the 23rd. Uh, Doom Patrol is... God, what is it? It is the wackiest DC show that there is. I can't believe some of the shit they can get off with over there. It's just so freaking crazy. Um, it's a fun watch. Make sure you check it out. And then our last suggestion is on Apple TV. The Morning Show Season 2 is premiering on the 17th. The Morning Show is an interesting mix of comedy and drama drama, with, I mean, just some of the best actors on TV. I really think you should check it out. Uh, if you have not seen it yet, at least look at trailers and look at that star-studded cast. All right, we're going to wrap things up with our Shung chi uh, review. Uh, What's important to note about this review is it's actually an episode of Sloop. So normally you guys would pay for this content. We're adding it to the end to kind of show you guys what Sloop is all about. The structure and everything like that. Um, This episode of Sloop is actually free on Patreon right now. It's also free on Cephalopod. So you guys can check it out for free over there too, just to see how it is to unlock things. It's all available for you guys. So anyways, hope you enjoy Shung chi Hey y'all, and welcome to Sloop. I am Frank, and we are going to be talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is a very special episode of Sloop, as it is free for Cephalopod, or Patreon, and also going to be tagged at the end of our normal uh, Geek Freaks news to kind of give you guys an idea of what Sloop looks like. So the point of Sloop, for those of you guys who are new to this format, is it is immediate reaction. I literally just got home from the theaters and was able to get in front of the mic and start talking about this. Awesome new addition to the MCU. Okay, it is important to remember this is going to be spoiler-free. We want to make sure that you guys have plenty of time to see it, and we're still pretty hot on this. It's the opening weekend. Uh, so, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, directed by uh, Dustin Daniel Cretton. Uh, he's known for Mercy. It's really a really great movie he does. Uh, and they brought in a lot of new names for this thing, and we also have uh, some classics like Aquafina. and then if you, guys, uh, if you guys are from Hong Kong or familiar with Hong Kong films, I might botch some names, just a heads up on that uh i I have a hard time with this dialect, so please understand that uh no uh, anyway, so it's it's tony uh Chai Wa long uh he is from Hong Kong and he's like their like legendary biggest actor and he plays uh Zhu Wen Wu in this movie, but we're gonna call him Mandarin uh because he does have the title of Mandarin. He mentions it during the thing, and so um he's Mandarin. it's no no spoiler, everybody knows that uh and. He is probably, it's hard to say he's the highlight, but this might be one of the top three villains development wise in the MCU. And MCU has some really solid villains. Everybody knows Thanos. Uh, but I- I'm telling you guys, this guy here has purpose. Uh, he has loss. They do such a great job of actually making you want the villain to do well. And there are a lot of villains in the MCU, basically, anybody Ant Man deals with. Uh, that are not that way. They're just kind of like, oh, I'm the bad guy because I'm the bad guy. This one's done very well. So, a uh, great job there. The, the idea, the plot of this thing is, you know, uh, Samu's playing Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi's living his life. He's out in San Francisco. We're basically going off of what you guys see in the trailers. Uh, he is then ripped to his old life where he is Shang-Chi and he has to deal with some family issues and um, expand the story of the Ten Rings. Uh, for those of you guys who are comic book readers, they do give a version of the classic Shang-Chi uh, origin, they change up uh, Mandarin's origin, uh, but the Shang-Chi's origin is, is pretty close. After the full movie's explained, you get a little bit of that, so if you're, you know, you're there. But one thing that I think people might complain about, and I hope people don't, is the Ten Rings are not actually rings. We've seen it all in the trailers, but in the comic books, they're literally rings from, like, space. That's not what these are. These are like bracelets; that they can move around, and that is invented by the MCU, as far as I can tell. I don't know about that ever being in the comic books, and I don't know of a character that has these rings or something like these rings in the comic books. If you know them, let me know so we can get that out there. But I gotta give it to Marvel; this was badass watching him use these rings. This ability—it's um, something so new, so unique. It—it it has this like mix of magic and. Uh, uh, martial arts and it does a really great job of blending it and i kept telling my brother uh john who's on the podcast you guys know him man this this gives me some serious avatar vibes avatar the last airbender because there's so many times where if you're thinking like earthbending especially like they do lean on some stuff like avatars made using martial arts like actual martial art- artists to teach them like hey waterbending is going to be based off of this and you know well, but you can see like that's a waterbending move like there's a lot of stuff like that and then Everything done with the rings, to me, feels like maybe Fire nation, but a lot of earth bending. And I you know this is just from a guy just looking from the outside. If you guys know the insight of the different martial arts stuff, again, let us know, because there's so many questions I have after this that I, I want to explore this world more. So the plot is that we're basically going to be exploring this new world, and I want you guys to go into this kind of thinking of it as another Black Panther, in that it's opening up a new section of the map that we hadn't checked out before in the MCU. And that's where the strength of this film is, I believe. Uh, just like in Black Panther, where they take a, a kind of cultural influences from our world in that region and make a Marvel version of it. They do the same thing here. And it really was rewarding to see how uh, you see classic architecture mixed with like, oh, but he has superpowers or, oh, hey, this one does this. You know, it was a really, really well done mix. There are plenty of downsides in this movie, but I would say that that the strongest point is that we have this new superhero and this new uh, culture added into Marvel uh, going forward. So going forward, we're going to be able to count on a lot of these characters. And I'm really excited for that. Uh, there are, by the way, just a shout out to this. There are two post-credit scenes. Make sure you check them both. All right. We're going to stop with the story there. I don't want to spoil anything for you. And it is very easy to do it in this movie. <laughs> um, the this, this story kicks up pretty quick. So, um, but let's go ahead and go into acting direct. Uh, let's go into acting first. So, um. Let's look at the cast here. We had uh, Samu played uh, uh, Shang-Chi. I think he did a great job. He's from Kim Convenience. Jonathan kept telling me, like, make sure you watch Kim Convenience. Still on my to-do list. But he did a really great job of this. He had this good mix of sorrow, pride, cockiness, shyness. Like, it was a really great balancing act he was able to pull off. Uh, for this being, like, what I, from my understanding, like, his first big, big, big role, great job. Problem is, he shared a lot of screen time with Aquafina. And I am a huge Aquafina fan, so anytime she's on screen, and she does it, just by nat- naturally she does it, anytime she's on screen, she steals that camera. It belongs to her. We all back up. Uh, and I was laughing so many times. I mean, God, she's so funny. As the film goes on, she starts to become more of a serious character That it's like, okay, you definitely belong in Marvel. But she's a good mix of kind of like that Scott Lang joking around the whole time. And maybe a Bruce Banner who has like a wisecrack here and there. So kind of imagine that. It's probably closer to Bruce Banner towards the end of the film. Uh, so keep that in mind. Okay, we have uh, Tony Chu Wailong uh, playing um, the Mandarin. He is so pivotal to this film and his acting performance and the character development. It, it might be the best thing about this movie outside of them introducing an, an entire new culture. He was amazing. I mean, his, his drive, his reason for doing everything, and Tony just he brought that forward. This, From my understanding, I haven't been able to find, confirm this. I believe this is his first American film. I really hope, hope, hope it is not his last. Fantastic job. Uh, we had Mangar, who played uh, Zhai Ling. Uh, I won't go over relationships because that might be spoilers, too. I mean, I do, I do peruse the information pretty early on, so I know a lot of stuff I think it's common sense, but we'll, we'll stay safe. dude. She is kind of more stoic. Um, and I think she could have conveyed more emotion. It's hard to say, you know, her character is meant to be a bit more, sto- uh, stoic like that. So maybe it's chalking up to that. Kind of like when Brie Larson did, um, Captain Marvel, the big complaint for us was like, well, she didn't give enough emotion. Well, was like, yeah, but she's military trained. She's not supposed to similar situation. Maybe she's not supposed to, uh, some of the other characters. Oh boy, guys. I am such a big fan of Michelle, uh, whoa, or yo, uh from she's from Star Trek she's from Crazy Rich Asians. Uh she's the mom from Crazy Rich Asians. You guys know? Oh man, she's so great in that. And then of course in Star Trek she's amazing too. She plays uh Aunt Nan in this. Um you don't see her toward, uh, until towards the end. So just hold on guys. It'll pay off. She's she is really great. Um and then you know we have a, a lot of other side small characters. Uh the children actors all did really good. They because what was tricky is there was a lot of flashbacks in this movie. So the story's told you know, over the entire film like the origin story is not up front. You're getting it as you go. And so you have to be in the middle of action and stop for a second, cut back to a story of uh, we have Jaden Zhang who is doing the acting for young Shang-Chi and like slow us down and then like emotionally tie us to a moment and then bring it back to the action and then change what that action looks like from a new perspective. And these young actors, solid casting, they all did an adequate job in this and, and really kind of were a pivotal moment to a lot of these storytelling beats. Because outside of that, you had just like this really good action story. But yeah, so I think, I think in general, acting was solid. Moving forward, the characters that were moving forward into the MCU, we got to bring in. Because remember, that's part of the great things about being in the MCU, is now you're you're part of the club. So the next Avengers movie, Samu's gonna be there. Aquafina's gonna be there. I oh, cannot wait to see Aquafina. <laughs> Bullshitting with some of the other Avengers. I'm such a big fan of that. Um, Michelle will be there, you know. Menger will be there. Menger will definitely be there. Um, no spoilers, guys. (laughs) Um, really great future ahead of us uh with some of these new characters that are joining the MCU. Uh their their dialogue with each other was well done. You could tell that there was some real passion there. Uh again, just you know, some of these actors knowing their past I'll just say Aquafina, um, knowing her past, I didn't know how she would do with like touchy-feely moments. She broke her own mold. And there were times, and I will say. I don't think she did enough of breaking her own mold. And that goes with Simu as well. Like he couldn't, he didn't convey anything outside of sorrow when it was time to be sorrow. So I think there's some tweaking, you know, these, these, a lot of these actors have, 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 are just growing and we're starting to learn. So we'll give it to them. You know, this is their first movie, but it was a great outing for their first movie. So let's, let's give them time guys. Again, this is a really good addition to the, to the MCU franchise. All right, we're going to move into directing because I think it's really important here. Okay. Our director for this film, Dustin Daniel Cretton, again, known for Mercy. was a really good movie. You guys check that out. Um, There were specific shots that I was like, that is awesome. Classic Kung Fu shots. And I want to throw this out there. Samu, so Chung Chi is based off of Bruce Lee and a little bit off of the TV show Kung Fu back in the day. We're all too young for that, but I remember watching reruns. Um, But Samu said, well, I inspired my character off of Jackie Chan. Now, I grew up on Jackie Chan. That was my jam. Him and, and uh, what's the other one, um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, could do no wrong. Any movie they put out, I'd watch. So, I was all for it when I heard that. And watching the movie, it was a really good mix of both, actually. So there was a lot of times where he would do that Bruce Lee pose, and you're like, oh shit, it's gonna go down, he's gonna rock somebody's world, it's so dope. But then, while he's fighting, Jackie Chan coming through, guys. I don't know if you guys remember a lot of like, okay, Rush Hour is a really great example of it. I hate to only use that one, but I know for Americans, you guys know Rush Hour. He would do things where he like slides through the bank vault window or use the steering wheel. God, I got to watch those movies again. <laughs> those are great. Feature Sloops. Uh, those kind of like using your environment, using little things to kind of almost poke fun and fight at the same time. Samu killed it. He did all of those things. It was really great to see that kind of martial arts back. And it was action, fun. You could totally bring the kids to this. Obviously, it's a it's a Marvel movie, but I'm just saying, like, you don't have to worry about it being like, oh, it's too fighty. No, you're fine. And then even if you like some of the more highbrow kind of, uh, uh, you know, martial arts films, say your Crouching uh, Tiger, Hidden Dragons, it has some of that too. So it really is a good mix of what you'd want to see out of a martial arts movie. And personally, I have not seen that a bit. I, again, in the '90s, I consumed them like crazy. As of late, not so much, except for a really great show to check out, guys. I'm just throwing them out there. We might be doing sloops on these when the time comes. Kingdom. It's a zombie movie set in uh, South Korea. Really good. Check it out. So yeah, directing. Uh, Another thing I want to really give this guy uh, a big props for, pacing. It's so hard to nail pacing. And yes, I know Marvel has their machine. They're not going to break it, but he really nailed it. There were times where I was like, this movie has the same pacing as, a, as a, a, a Indiana Jones, which, you know, great action adventure movie, always fun. It had that same pacing, had the same feel, it was really good. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, we're downshifting here. What is this, E.T.? Oh no, what is this? Oh, you know, you kind of are flashing back to like iconic movies in, in how it's structured and how it felt watching it. I'm not saying what you're seeing, I'm saying how it felt. And then again, towards the end, I'm like, Avatar Last Airbender. <laughs> Just that feel, that, the way the action felt. Um, it was, it was really well done. Score and soundtrack, it was solid, nothing to write home about. They did a really great job of, of adding modern music that had kind of that, that, that sound in the background that you're like, okay, that's like, you know, mainland China maybe sound that I, I recognize from, you know, pop culture and media. You could kind of hear it a little bit in the background. I think they would probably have done better by cranking that part up a little more, but it's there if you listen for it. And I was trying to. The thing that I think hurts this film, and it hurts me to say it, is the special effects, especially at the end, uh, were rough. Were pretty rough. Uh, even early on, you're going to be getting a big action scene in the middle of San Francisco. You could tell, they're like, okay, the CGI budget's strong on this, but it's definitely not a Marvel. or I mean, it's definitely not an Avenger level. It's probably close to an Ant-Man level uh, budget. Um, or, you know what? It, it's kind of like the... Black Panther level, or not Black Panther, I'm sorry, uh, Black Widow level. Like, the parts where the for- Black Widow, spoiler spoiler warning, when the parts when the fortress is falling, solid CGI. Um, But, like, other parts you could tell were, like, eh, okay in, in Black Widow, like when the snow's coming in on the prison, while that scene was cool, the CGI for it was not. You get a lot of that in this movie, and it's unfortunate because I'm hearing stories from people who are developing films during uh, COVID that they're actually going back and adding some more detail and really perfecting the lighting on uh, computer-generated images right now in these films to really make them shine. And if any company to put a little extra time and effort into something, you would think it would be Marvel. But I don't think they did, and it hurts by that. I, I really think at the end, there are some heavy CGI moments. And they're rough. They are very rough, in my opinion. It feels like a movie made... That part feels like a movie made in like 2007 to 2012, that region. Okay, so keep that in mind. That could just be me, and and I had high expectations on that part of the movie. But I will say one thing. And it's something that I think we need to remember going forward. Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. So first off, the Ten Rings... (sighs) Shit, I can't spoil that part though. Okay, we'll do this. The Ten Rings are such a really cool ability. Because he's manipulating these rings and you think about how, like, if you could manipulate 10 different pieces of anything, really, at one time, what can you do? Well, you can make yourself fly if you pound them to the ground real hard. Or you could create a force field around yourself if you spin them fast enough. Or, you know, like, you could get creative with it. So it kind of felt like, in a way, like, I keep saying earthbending, but maybe even like green lantern-y because it's like, how creative can you be? It's how good those rings are. And there's one thing from Doctor Strange. I remember when I watched Doctor Strange in the theaters, and I was like, whoa, that's so cool. And I was hoping to see more and more of it in Doctor Strange, and I have not really seen it follow up. But there are those boots, and I can't remember his name, but he's Doctor Strange, like, main villain in the comics, where um, there are these boots were able to, like, run in air, and that, that effect of, like, stepping on air with that, like, magic effect coming away from the boots was so dope. I was like, please, make these like a standard thing in the MCU. The capable of is cool, but make those boots real. In this movie, there's one point where they use the ring to jump off of. He throws a ring and like, floats it in the center, and then he uses it to jump off of it. But it's so fast, it is like a third, a quarter of a second. Pay attention to it, guys. That is such a cool move. And that's just an example of how like, you could use these rings to your advantage. So the fact that these rings are in the MCU, that's huge. And I think it's going to be the launch of a lot of questions. It might bring in so much more. It's pretty amazing. I, these rings are more important than you guys realize right now. So get ready to see more of them. They are really, really, really cool. Okay. That's basically it for the movie. Uh, of course, you know, that's how sloops are. I, I, uh, you start recording these immediately when I get home. So I'm so full of freaking hype and I want to practice martial arts right now, but I don't quite have the body figure for it. So I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, but we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll figure Aquafina, I can probably do what she does in the film <laughs> with practice. Um, we don't grade these normally for sloops, so just a heads up for, the, for those of you guys who are new to sloop. But we will go and grade this one. I'm going to give it a solid B, not a plus or minus, solid B. I think at some point we need to rank this amongst other MCU films, but I don't want to do that yet because I don't want you going in with expectations. A B is very good. I mean, you remember, you're ranking this in a world of, you know, Iron Man and Avengers Endgame and, you know, these great films. Um, I will say I think this is probably better than Black Widow for a Marvel movie. Black Widow was good because it was a spy thriller. But for a Marvel movie, I think this thing's up there, and it definitely opens up a lot of avenues, which was, is nice to see right now. Um, anyways, guys, enough of my rant and excitement. Hope you guys enjoyed Sloop. If you are a, a fan of this kind of quick, immediate reaction, a little bit too much hype, <laughs> there. Are, trust me, there are some of them where I'm like, okay, we gotta, we got to tone this down a little bit, cut a lot of stuff. If you like this, Go over to our Patreon. It's a dollar a month to access this extra bonus content. We do a new episode every week. It'll be on whatever Marvel TV series is going on, or if there's none of those going on, we do it on movies. So, and then, of course, when you join, you get to suggest a movie, and we'll do it. Um, and then over on CephalPod, it's a dollar per episode. You guys can check it out there. This particular episode is free for everybody right now, but yeah, generally it's a buck. We will be seeing you next week. We have three episodes coming out, Geek Freaks News, Pushing Buttons, and a Trek Freaks. So it's going to be action-packed.